the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Amen. Well 
Bless your name, eternal God and our Father. We are so grateful. We thank you for this opportunity that you have afforded us. We can come into your house. Lord, we thank you for your grace that has been dispensed to us. Lord, I pray for every one of your people that as we gather here tonight, our hearts will be open. Lord, continue, Lord, to strengthen our pastor, to continue, Father. We ask and we present everyone that is sitting here today. Lord, we, we have not come just for ourselves, but we come because of your word, what you have directed us to do. David said, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your honor dwells. Lord, outside of here, we were lost. We had no hope, but my God, today we have a lively hope. This blessed hope that make it not a shame. I pray for every man of God worldwide, even right now. God, continue to speak to them. Lord, touch them and grant them the message appropriate for the time and the place where they are located. Lord, we look to thee and thank you for what you have done, what you will continue to do. In your precious name, we give you thanks. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Amen. 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 May be seated. Amen. Amen. Appreciate Brother John's words here tonight. And not only appreciate his words, I appreciate his faithfulness over the many, many years. Uh, prior to me coming to Canada, uh, Brother John was used of the Lord to make contact with this wonderful fellowship that we are a part of. And uh, when he started here, it was a very small group of individuals that he worked with in a living room. But God was ready to move on, and God moved on from there, and this church has a history of um, some changes, some 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 a journeying uh, history that involves locations from one place to the other. Uh, we can go back and trace a beautiful history. And through it all, Brother John has been faithful, and I thank God for that. Uh, Wednesday night, um, sometimes I preach a lesson that edifies me. And today I received a message from someone, a comment from someone that uh, reflected on the Wednesday night message. And as I was preaching that Wednesday night message, I could feel that a lot of people would not see what I was seeing. I see one of the main things in that Wednesday night message was Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, we've gone over Hebrews a lot of times. And, um, you know, we pass over and pass over and pass over. But I was, I was preaching on Wednesday night, and um, I saw a greater purpose for everyone suffering in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And in they, say, they say, I don't know this personally, but they say in the original language and the Hebrew and the Greek, 
Um, the scriptures were not written in chapters. Uh, they were just flowing into one another. And I can agree with that because chapter 11 of Hebrews uh, flows into chapter 12. And because of chapter 12, we can look back and know why they suffered in chapter 11. They all suffered with a purpose in mind to receive uh, that uh, reward of God, but beyond the reward, they were being cleansed uh, from during their suffering periods. And it is, it is not easy for a man to say, like Paul says here in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, the 12th chapter, and tonight I'll just talk to you because we've got 15 minutes. So let's put a lesson in 15 minutes. And so when I'm looking back at, at uh, the Wednesday night, I listened to that message over and over and over. And I thought it was one of those powerful messages. And so this brother uh, that commented on the Wednesday night, he said, few individuals would see what he saw. So what did you see? I see the reason for the men suffering in Hebrews 11, because that's revealed by the time you get into Hebrews chapter 12. They suffered with purpose, and uh, no one will sit on a throne and rule and reign with Christ that has not suffered. Now that's a very strong statement. And people might stone me for that. But you know what? That's so correct. You don't suffer with him. You don't reign with him. Because suffering prepares you to sit on that throne. Uh, unless you go through the cleansing process. Uh, suffering is a cleansing process. And for many of us, we would prefer... Uh, unlike Moses to refuse, who refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, we would want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, we would like that promotion and the job that keeps us away from church. Uh, we would not understand how sanctification is necessary and how the church is an important part of our salvation. Paul, in writing here, and... Um, on Wednesday night, is it Wednesday night, we dealt with Paul's suffering in chapter 11. We talk about all of these things that he suffered. Well, back up a little before we go to chapter 12. In chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is making some statements here. Now, we see that this man understood the necessity of suffering more than a lot of people today understand. Today, people feel, and the devil has created a, a mirage and allowing ministers especially to feel like you don't need to suffer. You need to be healthy and wealthy. Uh, you need to have a good vehicle, a good home, a big church, and um, when you die, a fantastic funeral. That's what ministers today classify. When I'm comparing what these men in the Bible were and what, how their lives were, it's a whole lot different. And so here in uh, Paul, first of all, in chapter 6, he's talking about 
uh, how we need to prove ourselves as ministers. And I'm talking to a congregation. You're not ministers. We have Brother Sam, Brother John behind me, uh, that they are uh, ministers in this church. Uh, we have Brother Vid sitting in the congregation. Their elders are ministers also in the church. And so uh, look at Brother Terry. He was a full-time minister with the Nazarene Church for years, and then he was a part of our fellowship for a long time. Uh, here is what Paul says. He says, giving no offense, verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You cannot afford to blunder that the ministry get blamed. Now, that's 2,000 years ago. Uh, what would cause the ministry to get blamed back there is a whole lot different than what will cause the ministry to get blamed today. Today, if you're like, if you're exactly what Paul was 2,000 years ago, you're that today, you will be classified as one to be blamed for not giving the people what they need to have. There are individuals that will be quick to blame you because you're not giving the people what they need to have in the modern society. I'm not talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about the life and the pleasure and the enjoyment. Uh, you're not really entertaining the people like you should. And so Paul says, giving no offense, uh, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. He says, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In all things, we are approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Approve. Isn't that something? It's one thing for someone to approve you. How about you making up your mind how to approve yourself as a minister of God? Or as a child of God sitting in the church that wants to be in the first resurrection. He says so. He says here are some of the things. He says in patience. Not in just patience. In much patience. And I want this congregation to read with me. In much patience. In afflictions. Is it one affliction? No. In afflictions. In necessities. It means you want something and you can't afford to have it. In necessities. In distresses. Man, come on, Paul, just make it one shot. No, he's increasing it. In stripes, that's lashes on your back for the sake of the gospel. He says, in imprisonments. You notice the plural is on everything here, and I hope that's what it was in the original language. He says, in tumults. Your people stir up and they want to kill you. They want to hurt you because of what you preach. They want to attack you for what you're saying. In labors, you're not a lazy deadbeat. Everybody say deadbeat. deadbeat. If you're a deadbeat, you'll never resurrect and be in the first resurrection. God will give you 1,000 years to sleep. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, you will come up with resurrection of the second phase, the second resurrection, the re it's called the resurrection of damnation. So, he says in labors, in watchings, 
What that mean? You look around at the saints, knowing watchings mean the stress of the work of God affects your sleep. You don't sleep like you normal people. You awake. I don't know what's the difference, and I'm thinking maybe something is wrong with me, because I said, okay, tonight I'm going to go to bed early, so I go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock. And then at 11 o'clock, I wake up. I went to bed last night, I think at 10 o'clock or something. I can't remember when. It's so, it varies so much. And then I woke up at 12.30. And Timothy studies in the basement, so he knows when I'm up. And I go sit down, have a chamomile tea. And um, I'm not eating. I'm just sitting there having a tea and reading and uh, go on Facebook and post some things that should edify people. And it's so sad that a lot of our people don't even follow that. So that, that's okay. Um, you wouldn't even follow Paul if he was doing that. Uh, it's the day we're living in. And so I do all of that. And then maybe at about 3 o'clock, 3.30 this morning, I went back to sleep. And then when I slept, I woke up back at 5. The, the, the stress of the work of God keeps you awake. The pressure of individual suffering keep you awake. You don't sleep. So in watchings, in fastings, uh, you, you set yourself aside. You don't have food sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's hunger. Sometimes it's fasting. And then he goes down and lists, lists a few things. He says, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering. By kindness. These are so beautiful. I back it up. By pureness. Everybody still reading with me? By pureness. By knowledge. That's the knowledge that God has given us in the work of God. He says by long suffering. By what? Kindness. You're kind to everyone around you. It's in your nature to be kind. By the Holy Ghost, not the fake one, the real one. By love that's not a fake. By the word of truth, by the power of God. He goes down and no end to it. I like Paul because he lists things one after the other. He says, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Some people don't like you, bad report. Some people think you're good. Good report. You're not here for a popular, in a popularity contest when you're called to the ministry. You're here to preach the word of God. And the word of God is to be preached. And it says here, but as unknown and well known. As dying and behold, you're living. Every day you're getting closer to death. That's what Brother John was telling us. We look and see the end line. The finish line ahead of us. He says, as chastened. And that was what the lesson on Wednesday night was about. Chastened. You're not giving up. But still, you're not killed. Because God is keeping you. Working on your life. And so when you go out. I know sometimes we mix Old Testament scripture with New Testament scripture. I say, well... Uh, I go out there and a thousand shall fall on my side and ten thousand on my side, on the right side, one on the left side and ten thousand on the right. If nothing shall harm me, 
Well, that's a beautiful scripture, isn't it? Go talk to the people in Hebrews 11. Talk to the people in Hebrews 11. They did not escape the sword. They died. They were slaughtered. All in the will of God. The will of God cleanses us. And so suffering becomes a necessity. Suffering is a necessity. Chastisement purges us. He goes on here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul, and tonight I'm looking at this just while Brother John was talking and bang. You know, I look at a scripture and every day I look at a scripture, something pops out. And I'm looking at verse 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, therefore I take pleasure in, the, in my infirmity. Hey, come on. Well, today I'm not feeling good. This right left foot is hurting and the back is hurting. I thank God. God, whatever you're teaching me, I thank you for it. you got to be nuts. No. He's got to be nuts. He's thanking God for his infirmity. That's not it. That's not all. He says for reproaches. When people molest me because I'm a Christian. I praise God. In necessities. Here he's talking again. Having don't have things. And you have to meet the needs. We do that. We trust God. This year. I'm trusting God more than I ever trusted God to meet needs and to, to pay bills and to deal with things. For a long time, I have not trusted God so much like this year. I have to trust him. He goes on, he says, in, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, I made weak. For when I'm weak, in the flesh, then I'm strong in the spirit. Am I a stupid person because I'm glorying in my suffering? I'm glorying. I'm praising God for bad things that's happening to me. He says, am I a fool? That's what they thought he was. They thought he was a born loser. When he says, am I a fool in glory? You have compelled me for I ought not to have commended uh, to have, I should have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the chiefest apostle. He says, I'm standing here, I don't have anything, I don't have a, uh, a lot of clothes, I don't have a lot of money, I don't have a lot of convenience, I have necessities. He says, but you look at this simple old man standing before you, and I'm not one whit behind the chiefest apostles. He says, I don't see myself as a loser. I see myself on par with the other apostles. Amen. The best apostle out there, I see myself on parallel with him. Amen. And then you wonder, when I'm looking at chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul says, I take pleasure. Why is Paul taking pleasure? Well, if you back up a little, he had a thorn in the flesh. He talks about this man that uh, was caught up to heaven in verse 3 and 4. He says, of such a one in verse 5 will I glory, yet in my, not in myself. 
I will not glory but in mine infirmities. He says, I'm not going to glory because I preached a good message. I glory when God is working problems in my life. He says, I glory in mine infirmities. He says, and though I should desire glory, I, will, should not, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think me above that which he, he seeth me to be, and that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted, he says, just in case I should be exalted above measure, God give me a thorn in the flesh. He says, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And so, a lot of us, we read that and we says, what is this? Thorn in the flesh, messenger of the devil to buffet me. What is it all about? And so when you go down, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord three, three times, that I might, uh, it might depart from me. It might depart, it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. Bear it up, bro. It's not going to go anywhere until the job's done. I give you that to keep you humble. One man was being perfected. And whatever was put on his body was an infirmity. Something from the devil placed on him to make him suffer to qualify him to be in the first resurrection. So Lord, take away this thorn. Then man, you're coming up in the final resurrection. Oh, if that's the case, keep it on Lord. That I might come up in the resurrection of life. And when you understand these things, you understand that life is not to be a breeze every day. And so you might have a sickness, and in our day, medical signs can really render help to many of us. But no doctor in the world will take away what God has designed to perfect you. You got a thousand doctors lined up, specialists. And God put something on you, nobody's going to take it away because it is designed to save the elect. Afflictions for God's children was designed to save God's children. And this is so, it is so beautiful it's because this man is going to glory in his tribulation. And so when Paul says, therefore, verse 10, when he said, Lord, please take this away. Verse 9 says, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in physical weakness. I put something on your body, Paul, that the people in the 11th chapter of Hebrews had. On their bodies that Moses went through. That some of the men in the Old Testament went through. I will save you, Paul. And that's not going to go away because if I don't put this on you, when you stand up and I give you a revelation and you stand up to preach and you never heard that line of thought before, you get exalted. You see, I saw 
Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 connected so beautifully while I preached on Wednesday night. And if you didn't see it, may God help you with your blindness. I saw it. And it encouraged my heart and it made me understood God is in control of every situation. In your tiredness, you had to write song. Because I turned up, I stood up here and I told Nadine, um, I want you to sing a song for me. And she said, uh, I said, God is in control. She said, that's the one I plan to sing. And, and, and that's how we should work in a church. Because God says, my grace is sufficient. He says, most gladly, verse 10, 9, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, everyone together, most gladly, therefore... Well, I glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Glory in your infirmity and endure it for however long God wants it on you. Because it is designed to save you. And I hope to God you understand the purpose of it and how it is designed to cleanse you from the evil that's in you. And make you a better person to stand before God. Amen. This is such a beautiful scripture. I want to just touch one more scripture in Philippians, the third chapter. Quickly, uh, Philippians, the third chapter, where Paul, and I quoted from 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, where it says, If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. But here Paul is saying, Here, how do I suffer with Christ? Paul says, Verse 10. He says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what I want. You see, I've got a goal before me. I want to just not know him, but I want to ex experience the power of his resurrection from a spiritual dead condition to a spiritually alive condition. And eventually from a literal dead condition to a, to a literal resurrected condition. That's why we're here in church. We're not here in church just to fill time. We're here to be saved. And he goes on here. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship. I'm in fellowship with Jesus. What part of him? He says fellowship with his suffering. Because as he was rejected. I will be rejected. As he was despised, I will be despised. As he had agony and did without a lot in life, even so I must have agony and do without a lot in life. And when you smile for one minute, you're sad for one hour. Because the burdens of God work, God's work stays in your life. No one knows what a preacher goes through in his life. People look at you, you smile at them, they say, he's a happy man. You don't know. You don't want to spend one day, one hour in my shoe. Because I don't like to burden individuals with what I stress over. And he goes on here, he says, that I'm him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made confirmable unto his death. That if by any means 
any means, whatever it takes, God, whatever suffering it takes, whatever agony it takes, whatever sacrifice is demanded, that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He says, I'm not there yet. But one thing I know, forgetting the things which are behind, I'm pressing towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this is not a Saturday night in your house. May your word challenge our lives, Father. Help us not just to sit and read the Bible, but help us to understand your living word that comes alive and challenges a change in our lives, Father. Help us to make the necessary changes that is required in our lives and to serve you acceptably that we might come forth in the resurrection of life. Teach us how to suffer with Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.